0: Hi, this is Dan at Diginomica, and it's Tuesday, the 23rd of June, 2019. Last week, I caught up with Mike Forsett, who runs the data analysis unit at G2, formerly known as G2 Crowd. I wanted to catch up with Mike because, apart from the fact he has an awesome reputation as an analyst who really does know his stuff, he's built up quite a significant uh, unit at G2 that is not just producing data that uh, the um, forward-facing site can use, but is also producing data that can be used by the vendor community and, interestingly, by the VC and PE community. Here's our chat. Mike, uh, hi, good to talk to you. What I'm trying to understand in in broad terms is the way in which you come to your conclusions and calculations. I mean, there's a a great long screed around methodology and all the rest of it but um apart from the fact that i wouldn't have time to read such things in years since i got does it would anybody um it's it's years since i was deeply involved in stats so um methodologies i'm sure have changed over the last 25 years or so um just kind of if you can try and walk me through it because i want to what i want to be able to do if i'm going to talk about this at all is to be very clear and certain about how the methodology comes together and how it um, is uh, something that's credible Uh, because as you know you know there's what's the old saying there's stats stats and damn lies or something along
1: those lines (laughs) yeah i always said i could prove anything just give me the right questions um oh yeah absolutely (laughs) Now, so uh, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about how we do this. And, and these, but all the data that we're talking about comes from what is our normal um, review collection process. And that's actually one of the teams on our, uh, on the uh, research team is uh, is a group called Outreach, and it's it's essentially operates sort of like a digital marketing team. We, we target specific categories and, and products and areas where we want to build out, you know, more data. Um, but, but the, but the, basically the survey runs, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. Uh, and it's, um, it's roughly 36 questions per review. That's asked that questions. Some of them are standard, and some of them are feature-based, so they change based on the category. And that's you know, and that's fairly standard. Um, so it just it just dynamically pulls the feature list from the category that it that you're reviewing, so that it can you know have you rate those features if you use them. Um, but this, the, the the implementation question, all all these things are are, are a part of that standard um, collection process. And um, and like I said, it's uh, it's targeted to users of. The products and it goes through and lets the person. Um, first of all, I should tell you from a, a moderation standpoint, all all of our reviews, even though they may show unattributed on the site, they're actually attributed in the background. We we don't allow anonymous reviews, so um, so, so we vet every person, and we have a we have a moderation team, and then we have a, an algorithm that runs against that. Um, against the, the review when it comes in. So every review goes through, lim- goes into limbo when it's written and then it, the algorithm runs and scores it and then it goes to a moderation team and the moderators look at the score and then they verify a few things. They verify that the person's an actual person that they, you know, and, and we do that generally by li- LinkedIn uh, profile but obviously outside the U.S. we have to to use some other tools and we have a couple partners too that help with that. Uh, but we verify this as a person that they could have done the review, and then we ask everybody who does a review to upload a screenshot of them logged into the current version of the software so that we can see that they actually have access to the software. And so there's verified and validated, and both of those things are, are noted on the site, um, as well as the source of the, the review. So we we have you know organic reviews, those are just people that come to the site to do reviews because they feel compelled to do that uh, on their own, then um, we do run some campaigns for vendors, but uh, but we don't, it's a blind list so that they they have to meet our standards for numbers and that sort of thing. So it can't be, you know, it can't be a small list. It can't be targeted, that sort of thing. And we'll run the campaign for them so that they actually um, can, so we can make sure the process works smoothly is, is really the way to say that, I guess. And then we also run our own targeted campaigns um, I'll, I'll constantly, uh, you know, using things like email and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest and Twitter and whatever else we ads we want to run uh, to get to help you know to get the data set to be healthy. Right. Okay. So when I've
0: looked at um, G2 Crowd and um, I've seen the same reviews there. I tend to try and read as many of them as I possibly... I'm just trying to contextualize this so that I, I really understand this. Sure. When I look at them, I, I tend to try and look at all of the reviews or a good selection of the reviews for the simple reason that the G2 crowd, at least in, on the public side, seems to prioritize uh, positive reviews rather than uh, necessarily having what I would see as a balance. The, the, the problem here... Is that um, some of the suppliers um, that, that, that I've tried in the past, I mean, we try loads and loads of software. We'll, try, we'll, we'll use free trials all the time and just maybe pick up one or two and discard a whole ton of other stuff. But we often get requests, oh, please review us on, on G2 Crowd, right? So they're actively soliciting um, stuff. And in one particular case that I did, um, there was the, the software wasn't really that good to be perfectly frank with you, and um, you know they were pretty poor at understanding w- what the needs were in a particular area. Mm. It, it was around GDPR to be honest, and um, they, they obviously saw the review and came back to me and said, "Oh, we fixed this. Will you amend your review?" And the answer to that was, "Well, if you can prove that you fixed it, then fine. But otherwise, go away. You know, I, this is." And this is one of the things that concerns me about sites like G2. I mean, G2 Crowd isn't alone in this by any stretch. Um, but it, it concerns me that the uh, that the vendors have plenty of opportunity or appear to have plenty of opportunity to attempt to gain these things. So always, I'm you know... If if a product is coming out and saying it's I don't know four point five out of five if that's the score I'm going to discount that at least ten fifteen percent straight off the bat um, just so that I can get some sanity into my thinking do you, do you follow what I'm getting at
1: Yeah let me and let me give you a, there's I have a take on that too it's kind of interesting and and we're doing a fair bit of global expansion this year so this will this will sort of mitigate itself over time but but in the U S people are are uh, overly uh, nice and afraid to be as critical as they would be in, say, Germany, where you know that, that a one-star is a one-star and a five is a five, and here a four is, is not is a one-star and a five is a five. You know what I mean? The range is smaller, in other words. <laughs> right. um, so when we do the analysis there, I will often expand that scale and just take a look at that. To, to, from the back end, you know I have access to a lot of data that you don't see on the site, so I would say you're correct. it does tend to in the u s it tends to be in slightly inflated for the for the satisfaction ratings, but because of the fact that it's that it's a broad range um it's not that the vendors manipulating although they, i'm sure they try we've caught vendors and frankly we've kicked we've we've banned vendors from the site that that you know that we caught using bots and that sort of thing but but we but we try you know we try our best to um to collect uh, more data than what you're seeing there and we and we use that data in a lot of different ways so so the satisfaction ratings because of the way we build the algorithms are um are relative and normalized so what you see when you look at a comparison is a real uh, comparison of one software against another or all the ones in that in that specific um, set of rankings so that that in itself uh, normalizes those scores to make them if you look at it in a relative comparison uh, accurate. But I'm sure, and we catch vendors, I, you know, I caught one not long ago that was sending an email out asking for five-star reviews and we immediately uh, warn them first. And if they don't those campaigns out then we would ban them um because whereas we're trying you know really really hard to make sure that they can stay as um as honest and open as we as we can with the with the data we collect and then like i said as we go international we're starting to see more and more reviews with greater range and that'll help correct that as we as we get some with broader Definitely broader ranges, but in the data itself, not just those satisfaction questions. But this this cloud question, for example, the implementation question—that's just a simple, you know, that's just a simple survey question that asks you, did you implement it in, you know, in the cloud or did you implement it on premises? So, so those kind, that kind of data is a little different than the satisfaction um, data. Yeah, yeah, and that and that that data is something that you
0: hold for what. Uh, who, who acquires that? Is that vendors who acquire that, or is that um, uh, is that buyers that would acquire acquire it? No, it's a uh... subscription model
1: yeah so so the um so the way the the data works the way we try to support buyers at least is um is by publishing buyer focused reports these rating reports that um that screenshot was taken from that that uh, that I sent you but those all those reports and they're they're actually automated at this point when I first got here they were manual and then they only had one type and I've added um six reports and and we and we publish those automatically every quarter. So this quarter we'll publish nearly 30 <laughs> uh reports on one day and um, and those go through all those different categories and they use the the grid view which you see on the site is turned into a snapshot view and then we also have what we call index reports that take other factors like usability or ease of implementation or ease of doing business with a vendor that sort of thing and rank vendors according to the to the way that that falls out based on the data and all those reports are, are oriented towards a buyer Trying to you know, make a, a good decision about a product. Um, okay, yeah. Okay. So, are,
0: are you seeing are you seeing trends emerge from this data? Because I mean, obviously, I've been given a snapshot that talks about um, certain vendors where they're seen, seemingly getting more traction um, yeah. or continuing to get good traction on premises as opposed to to cloud. And I kind of look at that and think, yeah, that kind of fits with what I'm seeing anyway. But Um, Are are you seeing specific trends at this point in time, or is it really fairly early in the game from your analysis perspective?
1: Well, we are definitely starting to pull out more and more trends, and we're up to – uh, probably 780,000 reviews now. So so the data, you know, the, the mass of data, when I started, I started three and a half years ago, we had 66,000 reviews. So it was a little tougher back then. Um, but now, you know, with more than 10 X, the number the, the, and more and more categories are built out and we have data ready standards for the category. So once it gets data ready, report ready, then we can publish the report. We don't publish it until it, it gets, you know, a certain Number of reviews and vendors and that sort of thing. So we are in a lot of categories, particularly the ones that are um, highly populated now. So things like CRM, uh, ERP, marketing automation, uh, HCM. So the the categories that you'd expect analytics, BI platforms, the, the, you know, the core products that you see, those are the easiest ones for us to get reviews on anyway. So, so those are all very populated and you can start to pick out trends. And I, I, did, I had, um, I had one of my research principals pull some data last night, just so I could talk a little more intelligently about some kind of a roll up of, of Oracle. Cause that's an easy, you know, that, that was an easy one to, to focus on. So we don't do. Roll-up reports generally. Uh, we don't have any automated roll-up reports. So, in other words, a, a report that would take a set of modules and roll that up into a, almost like a suite score, if you want to think of it that way. Um, yeah. But we can do it manually. And so, I, I was just I was just looking through because I thought it'd be interesting to see across all of Oracle's cloud products, what was that distribution? And it's pretty consistent between sixty and seventy percent of the reviews say that those are cloud implementations. So so that's a fairly consistent number now across their cloud products. So I would feel reasonably confident that in that range, um, that that's that's what they're seeing in their customer base now. At least it's representative based on, on our data. And then the other one I think is interesting. I had them pull three other, data points, because we asked uh, what uh, discount you were given, we asked for length of contract, and then we asked uh, for ROI for how long it took them to see a return on that investment. And and in the, the th- those three, the average across all of those cloud products for Oracle was average discount was 40.5%. Average length of contract is 25.5%, and then months to achieve ROI was 14.2 months. So so those are also fairly consistent with what you and I both have been told that they pushed for three-year contracts um, and that they've been fairly successful there, probably due to the 40.5% discount um, in getting those contracts to move up to longer contracts over time. Right? Right. Right, okay.
0: I'm, ju- I'm just wondering, though, I, mean, I don't know if this is something that's crossed your mind, whether because um, cloud implementations is, are not as well documented, at least not in the public domain as uh, on-premises um, uh, implementations, whether, whether you're seeing more by way of self selected people coming in and saying, hey, this is what's going on. I mean, is, it, is, is that a, p- a possibility in terms of the way in which the numbers are falling out?
1: Um, I would say the the way we try to mitigate any of that, and, and I mean, obviously, you you know, we, we love organic reviews. They don't cost us anything and they're, you know, they people just wander by and tell us things. We love that. But to mitigate that, we actively, recruit reviews ourselves so that outreach team is responsible for the bulk of the reviews on the site and so there's there's no way that you can gain that because we're running targeted campaigns against all users of ERP not you know not specifics so it would be really difficult I, I would say statistically it would be really and. Difficult to manipulate that if you are a vendor because of the fact that you don't control our efforts to recruit those reviews, and and to be honest, around cloud uh, Oracle Cloud products, we have been actively recruiting Oracle Cloud reviews for the last year or so. So that's why most of those reviews are in the last year, and and none no none of them are over two years old. Okay. Um, so that so that so we do try to to solve that via that outreach process. Okay. So. that outreach process I
0: mean just give me an example of some of the things that you do presumably you will scrape from places like LinkedIn to find out who's implementing what where and how and uh, target that way maybe
1: yeah that's one way one way is to target specific roles and we do that pretty often like let's target CFOs or let's target you know finance managers Uh, in large companies let's target HCM managers so we so we'll pick a category we're trying to build out and then we'll build campaigns and we have, we have now we have targeted outreach people that, you know, use different digital technologies depending on what we're trying to go after to build those targeted campaigns. Uh, And, and we do use LinkedIn to some extent, too, as we go through and try to, you know, help find some of those. But to be honest, we have better luck on Facebook. And, and part of that is because um, of the level of targeting that Facebook allows you to do. It's it's just easier for us to get to a very narrow, um, targeted audience. Uh, we also do pretty well on Twitter. Um, and we do okay on LinkedIn, But it, but, but Facebook has been by far. Uh, and then the second place that I'd say is, is, uh, is even better for us now that we have such a large community, we are able to go back and target, um, stack. So we always ask stack anyway, um, horizontally, I should say. So, you know, if you're using Salesforce automation and you review it, we'll ask what other sales tools do you use? You'll tell us that. And then we'll come back a few months later and go, Hey, you said you use Gong for conversation and, Intelligence? Would you review that, and we'll give you a ten dollars gift card. You know. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you are use. Okay. Fine. So, I mean,
0: the, the thing that I've been looking at is uh, quantitative. But are you coming to? Uh, are you coming to any conclusions from a qualitative perspective around around some of these implementations?
1: Um, I mean, to some extent, you know, using the the satisfaction data, you can you can get some feel for it. Um, I guess the biggest thing that we we see, you know. Um, and and we try to look at you know replacements and uh, why did you replace and and so we try to take that data and that and we call it swap data or replacement data but but that data is always really interesting because it gives you a little feel for why you switched away from something and if something failed in an implementation then that would generally show because you switch to a new type of you know to, to a new uh, product or whatever um so I, yeah i mean i think we we start to feel um pretty good about the quality and and understand the quality and i and i'll, I'll give you a, an example too um, we started working NetSuite reviews and they, when they first when we first saw them on the site and they, we didn't really target; they their satisfaction was pretty low, to be honest. Um, yeah. But once they started running broader reviews and collecting a broader customer base, they moved up pretty quickly. And now they're by far the the leader in that ERP systems um, category. And and they have really solid reviews around satisfaction and and, uh, and ROI and that sort of thing. Uh, they do get they do take hits around usability, but nobody's probably surprised by that. Um, but yeah, overall, I'd say we have a pretty good feel.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's surprised. I mean, it's a twenty-year-old product, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of of what you're doing with this data from a, a, a subscription basis? Because, I mean, when Alex first came to me, he said, hey, we, you know, we're kind of selling this data. It's like, really? Okay. Um, okay. How, does that, how does that work? Because it's not something that I've seen before with G2, perhaps.
1: Yeah. So we, so, so I build a few offerings that, um, and, and, and as you probably know, I mean, we're the only one of the, um, of the, of those review sites that has a, a large, um, research department. I mean, uh, you know, some of them have like maybe one or two people, but most of what they have is content marketing people and they just push blogs and they don't do anything else. So we, I mean, we're a little over 50 people right now and we're actually growing to about a hundred people this year. Year so so the team is wow. growing very very quickly and what I did when I first started playing around with the the idea of, of selling the data. Um, it, part of it was targeted to uh, product marketing, product management, and competitive intelligence at vendors. And then some of it was targeted to financial services, like private equity and VCs. And so those are the places that we've been uh, successful with that. And I launched a new product in January that we call um, uh, Insights, uh, Insights Subscription, and that data offering that is built around, um, it's built around four reports today and we're adding more to that, but it's built around a pricing report, a uh, a replacement data report, a benchmark report that benchmarks uh, the vendor against their competitors in in six satisfaction metrics that we capture, uh, and a momentum report that's an algorithm we built that shows um, trending over a period of time what companies are growing the fastest and uh, um, you know, in a category, so you get a feel for not just who's the bigger, older player, but who are the newer, faster growth players that are really you know doing more uh, innovation. So those, okay. those reports. And then for the private equity in BC, what we end up doing is a data API and they, they just pay a subscription for that and then and they dump it into their data lake and use their own analytics to, um, to, to, to do that. Which, you know, no surprise, they have more data scientists than I do. Um, but yeah, so both of those hats have been going quite well. We we started selling the, the vendor product last year and then the um, re, um, financial services product earlier this year.
0: So you're partly responsible for Elliott Management taking a, a stake in SAP then, eh? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> 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 yeah, Myself and Brian and Salma have done a hell of a lot of work on that one. There's, I don't know, there's a, there is so much stuff that we're hanging on to at this moment in time just to wait and see if we get confirmed on some of the things that we think are likely to happen. It's... Uh, it's a, a developing. It's a, a very fluid, but developing
1: story. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting and fluid developing story. I'm uh, i I'm interested to see that one play out a little bit more too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Brian
0: described it in one of his pieces as uh, they're going to get the equivalent of a financial colonoscopy, and um, <laughs> and, and and when and when he when he mentioned that to the CEO of, uh, of a competitor. Who actually knows the Elliott team says no, Brian. You have got it wrong. It's going to be a quadruple bypass, open heart, no anaesthetic.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what um, what I've heard from uh, from some of the, uh, the some of the folks that I know there, uh, and and some of the SAP folks that I've known for years that are not particularly excited at this point in their lives. No, it's quite indeed.
0: Although, uh, anyway, we could talk about that for hours. Um, <laughs> yeah (laughs) okay um mike do you want to talk about pricing for these kinds of things in the public domain or not particularly at this point in time Easy
1: way. Um, yeah, not particularly at this point in time. We we are we are still working on packages. I mean, we have fairly well set, but to be honest, you know, we're still working around a little bit with the pricing. Sure. And um,
0: when you're thinking about how you position all of this, it sounds to me as though you're trying to do a, a bit of a cross between maybe what an IDC would do and maybe what a, a Gartner might attempt to do is. Is that how you say it, or do you say it in some other way?
1: No, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, we're what we're trying to build, and the way I way I saw it, and I mean, obviously we've you know we have several product lines, and we're we're trying to grow you know the whole uh, marketplace quite a bit. But but what I really think for us, from the from the perspective of research, uh, we've really tried to take the data and provide tools that would help a buyer do it, you know, make a data-driven decision or would help a a financial analyst be able to do a data-driven decision around an investment or an acquisition or whatever, right? And so that's how we try to think of it. How do I take crowdsource data, which, you know, is a substantial data um, set and and then augment it. We have some partnerships that you'll hear about in the near future to, to augment that data and then provide that data. In a way that's valuable to whichever audience it is that we're serving that up. And, and so it's it's a little like a Gardner and IDC. I mean, I guess in some ways it is a little like the, the IDC tracker business, and you know, that, that prevents that provides data that you know people trust and and you know have, have relied on for a long time. But the thing that it doesn't have, and, and this is where we really differ from the MQs and the WAVES and that sort of thing, is that all these reports that we produce, they're simply visualizations and interpretations of the data not um, based on anybody's opinion and the sample sizes are much larger and broader and so you know we're not doing the here talk to these three references that the vendor gave me we're doing look we ran these campaigns we built out this data set and it's substantial and it says that you know this product is uh, more usable than that product, or this product was easier to implement than that product, or, or whatever. So that's that's how I look at it. I look at it as um, visualizing and interpreting the data. So I don't uh, I don't call any of my research folks analysts. I call them you know research specialists and research principals and and that sort of thing, so that we can stay away from the idea that we're going to color data into our own opinion. Um, I joke and say I'm the only one who's allowed to have opinions, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, last last question for you, Mike. I mean, sure. if, I put my, if I put my consulting hat on for a minute and think, right, okay, I'm advising ABC company around making some sort of uh, decision, a product decision, then yes, data is very, very important to me. Yep. Yes, having reliable data is even more important to me. But at the end of the day, I'm actually going to want to get in front of of, of peers who have done something similar mm-hmm. and go through a uh, go through a Q&A with them is that something that you envisage being able to facilitate as a result of the of, of what you have there from a data
1: perspective yeah we we are actually already started to do that uh, dennis so we if you look on the site one of the Uh, partnership agreements we did with LinkedIn was give you the capability when you log in with your LinkedIn login when you go look at a product page it'll tell you all your contacts all your connections in your peer network that have reviewed this product so you can actually reach out to them right on right from there or you can look at their review and then reach out to them obviously it's you know opportunity but yeah we absolutely think of this as more of a community Uh, and when I, I do a lot of work around buyer behavior as you might imagine because it's uh, it's something that's very dear to what we're trying to do, and and that's the number one thing that um, that buyers look at as the, the most trustworthy and the most uh, useful source or peer networks, peers, yeah. and then number two and three tend to be uh, independent reports and uh, and peer review sites. Eighty-two uh, percent of the, my last survey, which was like fifteen hundred uh, or fourteen hundred completes, well, eighty-two percent of the, but and they're all B2B buyers and influencers said they use peer review sites to make buying decisions to make purchase decisions which is pretty significant um, and, I, and, I, and so yeah I think but to, to, to answer in a long way your short question yes <laughs> we see that as a, as an opportunity
0: this is very interesting Mike I'm I'm, I'm going to get a copy of this recording and, and spin through it um, sure. and see where we go to from there I mean some of the things that you're you're achieving obviously you you as a company have got far greater the resources than than we have. But I can see for instance that we would find some of the data that you're you're surfacing as useful in terms of validating what we see on the ground when we I mean, we attend a ton of events each year, right? And, uh, and what we try to do is, yeah, okay, we're going to have to deal with the talking heads, but at the same time, what we really want to be talking to are the customers. And, and we try and get as many of those customer stories as possible to give a, a flavor of what's really going on. But being able to have some of the data that you guys are talking about and being able to push that at customers and saying, well, you know, this this data says so-and-so, what's your experience, allows us to be able to do a, a, a better job. Now you probably want to charge me a shit ton of money for that, but I ain't gonna <laughs>
1: Now, I, I mean, I, I will tell you that to support you, you know, you're in, in blogging and, and writing and that sort of things. So I'm happy to to pull, you know, quick data cuts for you to, to, to empower as long as you give us credit. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I you, mean, you, listen, you.
0: you know, listen, I mean, the one thing that w- we've been 100% clear about uh, from day one is attribution for everything, you know? Yeah. Attribution and disclosure for everything. That way, you know the, the the fact that our business model is is pretty much vendor driven doesn't get, doesn't get colored by that. You know it's, yeah. you can and you know if 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 you think that it's a biased point of view, then click away. You know go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, no, that, that's good. So yeah, I'm happy to do that. in any anytime. And obviously, um, Alex, you know that's part of uh, his outreach there too, just to let you know that. But that's I'm happy great. to I'm happy to help uh, pull some data around or see if we can help come to some conclusion around some of the things that we've seen in the data and the trends brilliant
0: okay then mike listen that's been grand i know that you're a very busy person and this is the only time that you can get so i'm very grateful for the conversation and um uh, as soon as alex gives me the uh, a copy of the the audio then we can move forward from there it's been great talking with you super yeah nice to, nice to talk to you again dennis and reach out anytime you need anything